I don't know if you've ever had the task of uh, speaking to a particular subject or perhaps writing, uh, delivering some sort of a message on a, a topic that is, is relatively well known uh, or is just sort of considered known material. Uh, this week, as I, I've prepared for the topic of evangelism, uh, you sort of think evangelism, this, this will be really easy. You know, this is something that we do, uh, praise the Lord, relatively often, uh, something that's been a part of, uh, at least in my case, my thinking for quite a period of time. Uh, and then uh, you sort of sit down to write the message and go, right, where do I start from? <laughs> uh, it, it seems so simple, uh, and yet in order to, to write a message on that subject uh, is actually uh, somewhat difficult. And then you, you find various passages which, uh, which relate to the topic of evangelism uh, and you're sort of second-guessing yourself, thinking, is this just too simple? Is it okay to say this again? Um, well, I have used the simple passages and I will be saying things that are probably known to you again. Uh, I hope that is a, uh, a blessed refreshment to your understanding uh, as opposed to just known material that, uh, that you sort of gloss over. Um, but speaking of repeating things, uh, I know I've used this particular anecdote before, but I suspect probably uh, the majority of us uh, were not here when I used it previously, so uh, disregard that comment and just uh, pretend that this is the first time. Uh, but I, or myself and Tracy, I should say, uh, met a, a particular gentleman when we were in, in America, in, in Phoenix. Uh, and this gentleman's name was, was Stephen, uh, and I think I've now told this story in various settings uh, three times. Uh, and I always preface it by saying, I, I love Stephen. He's a wonderful man. Um, and so what I'm about to say, which sounds insulting, I don't mean insultingly at all. Uh, but if you were to see Stephen, uh, you would probably think, you know, he, uh, he works behind a, a, a computer all day, every day, uh, conducts lots and lots of mathematic, difficult mathematical sums. Uh, basically, he looks like a, a bit of a nerd, I suppose you would say. Uh, and during his schooling years, so he tells me, uh, he had such bad anxiety uh, that when he would walk through the, the quadrangle, sort of the, the open paved area in his school, uh, he would have anxiety attacks just walking across that area. Uh, it wasn't necessarily that anything particularly bad happened as he was walking across. Uh, just he was walking across, he would get these anxiety attacks. Uh, this was the extent of his uh, I guess, difficulty and, and hesitancy in being in public and talking with others, etc. Um, the place where I met Stephen was outside of an abortion clinic as he was preaching the gospel, as he was evangelizing uh, in the open air as people were uh, going uh, in and, and out uh, to, to murder their children. Uh, I assure you this, having spent a decent bit of time there, uh, this is no uh, pleasant environment uh, the, the evangelism that we do down at, um, uh, down at Tuggeranong uh, would be, uh, I guess you would say, a walk in the park cons uh, in comparison with such a, a place. Uh, it is a, a difficult place, uh, and yet here is a man who formerly would just walk across an open area and have an anxiety attack uh, preaching the gospel in the open air in such a place. Uh, and so uh, if someone like Stephen can do that, uh, then I think all the rest of us uh, ought to uh, perhaps give ourselves an appropriate uh, poke in the ribs, uh, a bit of a, a kick up the backside with regards to the task of evangelism. 
But let me, uh, in further introduction, I'll read you this quote, which I'll come back to a smaller section of later. Uh, it comes from a book called A Certain Sound by Ryan Denton and Scott Smith, which is on the topic of open air preaching more generally, uh, but you'll see how it relates to the topic of evangelism, the two of course being hand in hand. It says this, first of all, scripture is clear that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Romans 1.16. God's chosen method of evangelism is the gospel. Someone's moral behavior has no power to save, nor do soup kitchens or money or friendships. The scriptures declare that God saves through the gospel. We know many atheists and Muslims who provide a decent enough example for how one should live, if you simply mean being nice or loving. We know many Roman Catholics who would, feel, sorry, who would feed an entire city or spend years in front of an abortion mill if given the chance. But the lost do not need our good example to be saved. As Christians, we are called to be holy as Christ is holy and to love our neighbor as ourselves. But soup kitchens and friendships do not have the power to save. What people need more than anything else is for someone to share the gospel with them to evangelize. The ears of the lost need to be filled with the gospel of Christ. As William Taylor emphasizes, the whole matter resolves itself into this, that these 10 millions of our neighbors whom we are commanded to love as we love ourselves must have the gospel preached to them or the mass of them will go to perdition. They are blinded by the God of this world and will not come to us should we not, in the name and spirit of him who came to seek and to save the lost, go to them. And here, hear what the authors are saying rightly. Uh, they are, of course, not saying that we should not live moral lives, that we shouldn't uh, have soup kitchens or go to abortion clinics or whatever else that, uh, you might do. Uh, they are saying that that alone does not have the power to save. Uh, that we can, I think, rightly say ought to be the, the fruits of a saved heart. Uh, but that example in and of itself does not have the power to save. The lost must be evangelized. They must have the gospel preached to them. Uh, last week in the message on preaching, uh, so preaching last week and then evangelism this week, or put differently on the message to preaching, put differently uh, on the message to God's saved people, uh, I mentioned that this involved primarily the Greek word uh, didasko and words derived from the same. Uh, I mentioned also uh, that there are two further Greek words often used in the context of evangelism or preaching uh, the gospel to those not saved, and these being keruso uh, and euangelizo. Uh, you can see, especially if you look at it written down, uh, the similarity between the word euangelizo and evangelism. Uh, keruso, by, by way of uh, a little bit of nerddom, as I'm fond of, uh, appears 61 times in the New Testament uh, and 26 times in the Septuagint, which is simply a Greek translation of the Old Testament. Uh, so 61 times in the New Testament and 26 times in the Old Testament, effectively. Uh, you might translate that word as preach or publish or proclaim uh, or even preacher. Uh, and it's associated with a public proclamation of a message. 
Romans 10.14, for example, says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Uh, being derived from that word, caruso. Euangelizo appears 55 times in the New Testament and 22 times in the Septuagint, in the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Uh, and it could be translated as preach, preach the gospel, uh, to bring, show, or to declare good or glad tidings. And it's associated with the sharing of the gospel with unsaved groups or individuals. Uh, and it's used, by way of further interest, 15 times alone just in the book of Acts. Uh, so you can see evidently uh, that the, the early church took Jesus' commission to them seriously. They evangelized. We hear, for example, in the, the Christmas carol, uh, God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. Remember Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray. Oh, tidings, good tidings, of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. These being the kind of uh, good tidings that one might evangelize, that one might proclaim. And if you're still in Romans, uh, the very next verse, verse 15, says, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news using this word. In further introduction, uh, J. Adams, who I, I also quoted from last week, uh, notes that in the, the Greek city-state, whenever there was a vote to be taken or the citizens were required to assemble for some other purpose, the keruks, here keruso and then keruks, the herald, went about the streets of the city proclaiming the fact. As he did, he summoned the citizens to come out from among the total population so that this ecclesia, this assembly or church of called out ones, might gather to transact the business of the city. Similarly, God's heralds of the gospel go about preaching the good news, and those persons who respond in faith assemble as God's ecclesia, God's church or called out ones, to transact the, God's business as citizens of his heavenly kingdom. Heralding the gospel, keruso, then, is an evangelistic enterprise just as surely as is announcing the good news, euangelizo, the word from which our word evangelism comes or evangelize comes. So let me just pray briefly uh, and then we'll move into the, the body of the message. Lord, even as has been uh, prayed already today, and I thank you for it, I pray that the, uh, the words of my mouth, Lord, and the, the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, that the, the time uh, put into preparation this week, Lord, uh, would, would give you great glory, Lord, and that you would feed your church uh, through this message, I pray. Uh, guide me and bless us, Lord, with the, uh, the ability to listen to you speaking, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So, uh, I'll give some sort of points as we go, but really I sort of have one larger body as opposed to detailing uh, points from the very start. Uh, but we might ask evangelism, uh, what does it look like? And by the, the intimate relatedness of the words, if nothing else, we can safely say that the gospel ought to be the content of evangelism. 
Uh, I mentioned uh, that quote from a certain sound before. You might remember that the authors said, Scripture is clear that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. God's chosen method of evangelism is the gospel. Someone's moral behavior has no power to save, nor to soup kitchens or money or friendships. The scripture declares that God saves through the gospel. So evangelize with the gospel. Uh, what then is the gospel? And you'll remember that I announced last week that uh, a, a sermon on the gospel is to be preached in a few weeks' time. Uh, so I plan to give you just a very light version of that to be further expounded later. But the gospel, uh, we can say, is the glad tidings of the kingdom of God soon to be set up, and subsequently also of Jesus the Messiah, the founder of this kingdom. After the death of Christ, the term comprises also the preaching of concerning Jesus Christ as having suffered death on the cross to procure eternal salvation for the men in the kingdom of God but as restored to life and exalted to the right hand of God in heaven, thence to return in majesty to consummate the kingdom of God. So the, uh, the gospel always involves the Messiah. Uh, depending on where you are in history will uh, change your framework a little bit, uh, but it always involves the Messiah. The preaching, the heralding, the proclamation, the evangelizing of this message is evangelism. Uh, and even as I made the assertion that preaching should be uh, inextricably linked to the scripture last week, let us, of course, uh, consider the scripture. Uh, so turn with me to, uh, I mentioned another favorite, to Matthew 28, uh, where, of course, we'll be going right to the very end. So Matthew 28, from verses 18 to 20, says this. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And I love, I almost can't resist saying, uh, Jesus says this to the people who are listening to him. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. And if you ask me, uh, I don't think he says this assuming that they're going to fail, assuming that the gospel will, will peter out or that Christ's kingdom will not be victorious. Uh, he doesn't tell these people to go, but secretly know, given that he knows all things, uh, secretly be sort of saying on the side, but this is not going to work out so well for you. Uh, he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go preach the gospel to the nations, evangelize the nations. And for the Greek scholars, uh, yes, the word in, in verse 20, teaching, uh, is didaskontes, derived from that word didasko, uh, which I acquainted with preaching to Christians last week. Uh, but there are, as I said then, uh, a few exceptions whereby uh, the, the various words which are usually used for preaching to Christians or preaching uh, evangelistically uh, are used somewhat interchangeably. Uh, and so, hence we see that there are some exceptions uh, where these words are used interchangeably uh, for non-Christian preaching and didasko being used for Christian preaching 
And so we teach the nations to observe all that Christ has commanded in accordance with the scripture. Uh, we teach them to submit to him. And so preach, evangelize, and teach the nations. And even as I alluded to, uh, consider the authority that we go with. Our boss's authority, our parents' authority, our own authority. No, we go with Christ's authority. All authority in heaven and on earth having been given to him. That is the platform that we go out with which to evangelize. Jesus' authority given to him by the Father. All authority in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, he says, and evangelize the nations. And so the first uh, point you could say is that we, we go or we evangelize with Christ's authority. And the second is that we go or that we evangelize with the word of Christ. Uh, turn over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10 from verse 10 to verse 17 uh, says this. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So... Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. As a, uh, a related, but I suppose sort of secondary point, uh, if we are to say that Christ is the subject of the evangelistic message, uh, we must preach the true Christ. Uh, even as I, I spoke with uh, some Mormon folks with during the week, uh, the, the Mormons have one definition of Christ, as do the Jehovah's Witnesses, as do the Christians, as do the Muslims, as does the atheist. Uh, we must know who the Christ is. Uh, if we are to preach his message, we can't just use the name interchangeably however we wish for whatever character we might like to proclaim. We need to be proclaiming the true Christ, the Christ of the scriptures. Verses 13 to 14. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls. Absolutely everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We praise God that he has his elect and that Jesus will not lose one of them. Even as he says in John 6, 37, all that the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. <coughs> For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. 
For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Uh, some ask to this end, uh, does, does evangelism really work? Or they might ask, how many people have you led to Christ in your evangelizing? And the answer ought to come, every single one of them. If you have preached the gospel rightly, then every single one whom you have preached to has been led to Christ. Everyone who has had the word of Christ preached to them has been led to Christ, whether or not they are one of those that the Father has given to Christ or otherwise will dictate how they respond to that word. Uh, but the, the pragmatic nature of the question uh, is troublesome. We don't do evangelism one way or another based on if it uh, works in worldly terms or otherwise. We do evangelism based on how the scripture says, uh, and it will work in as much as God has ordained that it works. It is our job to faithfully evangelize to faithfully spread the word of Christ. And we know that we know that we know that God will save those whom he is predestined to be saved. He will save his elect. We can say there are guaranteed results. But by what means? If the elect are to believe in him, they must call on him. If they are to call on him, they have to have heard about him. They must know that he exists. But how are they to believe in him so as to call on him unless they have been told about him? And how are they to hear without someone preaching, as Paul says in verse 14 there? And so by what means? Preach the gospel. And if necessary, use words. No. Preach the gospel and use the words that the Lord has given us to use. Faith comes from hearing through words and hearing through the word of Christ. Evangelize, use the word of Christ. Be a herald, a proclaimer, a, a kerux. Testify both to Jews and to Greeks, i.e. to everyone, of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. This word of Christ is the means that God uses to save. And furthermore, uh, so often he does this by human beings, uh, by you and me sent out into the world to preach this message. Not that uh, a single metaphorical ounce of glory ought to be given to us, it is all to him, for we would not go and do such things unless he had prompted us, unless he had changed our hearts to do so. It is all uh, to his glory. But he uses so often human, me human beings as the means, I should say, uh, in order to accomplish his ends. And so hence, uh, there is no room uh, for the hyper-Calvinistic and errant notion that God will save his elect somehow. I will stand here or sit here on the couch with my feet up, hoping that that happens sooner rather than later. Uh, rather, God has saved me, and we ought to go and to preach that message, to share that message with others. And so, brother, sister, the means that God uses to save his elect people 
is the preaching of the word of Christ. And, praise be to him, he uses human beings to spread that message, to spread the word of Christ. Will God save his elect? Yes, and absolutely. Uh, But in God's glorious, mysterious, and awesome plan, he is ordained to do that through the preaching, the evangelizing of the good news, the gospel, the word of Christ. And so may it be our prayer uh, that God would give us such a delight in him that we just can't hold this message back. It has to spill out of us at varying times throughout the day. So by way of recap, uh, we evangelize with Christ's authority. We evangelize with the word of Christ. And lastly, who is called to evangelize? Some argue that the the Great Commission was given to uh, Christ's 11 disciples and so therefore has limited applicability to us today. Uh, Others argue that the office of an evangelist, as you might see in Ephesians 4, uh, no longer operates today. Uh, So to state the question again, who is to evangelize? Who is called to evangelize? Uh, Turn with me, if you'd like, to, to Luke chapter 10. I would say, just before we get there, that scripture, reason, and love would dictate that we are all to evangelize, at risk of giving you my conclusion before having proved it. Uh, Scripture, reason, and love would dictate that we are all to evangelize. Uh, To the first notion of the Great Commission being only to the eleven, even if that was so, We find other examples in scripture of Jesus commissioning more than just these to evangelize. So you're at Luke 10, and I just want to read the first two verses. It says, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So Jesus here, uh, as are the plain words of the page, uh, appoints 72 further folks, sending them on ahead of him to preach the gospel. Uh, Perhaps the objection comes, uh, yes, but these are Jesus' disciples, not part of the 11, sure, but they are part of uh, Jesus' further body of disciples. Uh, Surely we can respond and say, yes, a part of the greater number of his disciples, but does that not include you and I also? Are we not called to be disciples of Jesus, to be like our master in seeking and saving, seeking to save that which is lost in evangelizing them? And even if we are not like the 72, uh, consider what Jesus bids the 72 to pray for. Therefore, he says, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. So are you and I minded to go into the harvest? Well, go. Say to him, here am I, send me. And consider also, and I would consider this probably the the more confronting point of the sermon, uh, consider also the notion of loving one's neighbor as oneself. Uh, James 4:17, among other various places in Scripture, uh, says, "So whoever knows the right thing to do 
and fails to do it, for him it is sin. In uh, principle similarity, which one of you, if his son asks for him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If we see a neighbor who doesn't know the gospel, that neighbor is in danger of hellfire. May God grant us great love for him and great boldness such that we would seek every opportunity to give these neighbors the word of Christ, the bread of the kingdom, as it were, that we would evangelize them uh, whether we are the aroma of death to death or life to life. Uh, consider also uh, the parable of the sower, uh, and I might not read it, uh, but just consider it. I imagine you know it well. It's in Matthew 13, if you'd like the reference. Uh, I grant that it is an argument made from silence, so I won't uh, hang my hat on it, but there is no limitation placed upon the source of the speaking out of the word of the kingdom in this parable, in the evangelizing. And I think we can reference again, uh, though, that we are to be like Christ, who sought out the lost, and hence we are to have love for neighbor, such that we care for their salvation, uh, such that we evangelize them. Consider also, as you would uh, recall from the parable, the liberal nature of the sower's sowing. It seems almost as if he uh, sows this seed so liberally, almost carelessly, as he tosses it about everywhere. Uh, and I remember a, a preacher of a previous church that I was a part of uh, at one time acquainting this. Uh, he was saying it's almost as if uh, you had this this bottle of, of Penfold's Grange, which for those of you not in the, the know, is probably one of the premier uh, Australian red wines, if not the premier Australian red wine. Uh, it's almost as if you had this bottle of Grange and there were glasses sort of all about the place. And instead of carefully pouring the wine into each glass, uh, you sort of put your thumb slightly over the top and shook it around and just hoped that some level of uh, the wine would land in the various glasses. Uh, this is the, the kind of way in which the sower sows the message. Some seed falls on the path, some on rocky ground, some was choked by thorns, and some fell on good soil. And so find some people and preach the gospel, evangelize, scatter the seed. It is not just Kenya that needs the gospel, but Kambar. Not just Cambodia, but Corwell. Not just Mozambique, but Mawson. Uh, my point, of course, not being that Kenya, Cambodia, and Mozambique are unworthy of having the gospel preached. Preach the gospel there also. And if the Lord has called you to overseas mission, then uh, go do that. But the point being that uh, there are folks right here within our own neighborhoods, probably living next door to us, uh, that don't know the gospel. And so spread that seed and spread it wildly to them. With whatever the Lord has given you, go and turn a profit. Go and turn your, your five, your two, or your one talent uh, into as many more. Uh, go and, and produce 30, 60, and 100-fold on what the Lord has given you. And so to conclude, and then I'll, uh, I'll get Andrew to come up and, and we'll sing Amazing Grace together. The, the points uh, were this. 
We evangelize with Christ's authority. How incredibly uh, motivating that ought to be, that we go with his authority. We evangelize with the word of Christ. That is the content of our message. And thirdly, who is called to evangelize? Uh, we are called to evangelize. We are all called to evangelize. So may it be our constant prayer to love our God more, uh, to understand the depth of what he has done for us in ever-increasing amounts, and so to tell of that truth, the word of Christ, to all who will listen. My charge to you, uh, brothers and sisters, indeed my charge to myself, uh, perhaps even more so, is to go about preaching the good news, being that kerux of Christ's kingdom, that as many as are called will respond in faith and assemble as God's ecclesia, his church, his called out ones, to transact God's business as citizens of his heavenly kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, this is a, a monumental task. And yet even as I say that, Lord, I'm reminded uh, indeed of the first point of the message, Lord, that we do this uh, based and founded on your authority. We do this fueled by your Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit uh, with whom, uh, when he is present, uh, no darkness is present at all, Lord. Uh, for our great God, your power far overpowers uh, any, even the smallest element of darkness. Light and darkness cannot be in the same place. So please, God, grant that we would have uh, not more human boldness, not more human strength, but grant that we would have your boldness, your strength, in order to preach your gospel as we ought to, in order to evangelize those around us and to evangelize the nations, please God. And I pray that this week uh, we would grow in our love for you and hence in our love for neighbor. I pray that you would bless us with those opportunities uh, to evangelize those around us, those who you would put in our path. I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.